You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 50. My name's Rusty. This is a continuation uh, of the last podcast uh, where we're do, uh, doing a wrap-up of the Precision Rifle Invitational from Impact Dynamics. Uh, the voices you'll hear, um, besides myself, will be uh, also Andrew and Greg. Now, Andrew was a range officer for three of the stages, and Greg was, I guess, um, range control is the best way to put him. He was on the radio and just making sure that everybody stayed safe and where they needed to be. Uh, Galen, as well as our special guest for this episode, uh, and he was uh, competing in the comp, and he actually ended up coming fourth overall uh, out of 30, well, 36 all up, but 30 uh, who actually shot on the day. Uh, anyway, so we'll get back into the uh, discussion on stage descriptions and uh, how they all went down. So that uh, that brings us on to Lost Data. Now, Andrew, this is one of your stages, so I'll let you explain it. But you do need to tell talk about how you went from snooker and transitioned across. Okay, basically, I, I had the three stages, which were sort of across one ridge top, probably spaced maybe 100 metres apart, something like that. Um, anyway, we had... The snooker was sort of shot from the left-hand edge of the ridge, and then we had the middle stage, which was actually the stage we shot last. We got everybody to get there. I got everyone to put all their gear down, and then said, righto, let's go. Don't leave your gear here and let's move. So basically... How was the reactions to that? Um, mixed. <laughs> I mean, by the by the second day, I think people <laughs> were... Gallon's shaking his head. <laughs> by the second day, we had obviously a few guys who had spoken we're about it. it. But even still, we've still got some interesting sort of... Like, what? I, I was not aware of it, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, let's try and preempt what's going on here. You've got to run <laughs> back to your gun or something or other, but it became clear pretty quickly. Yeah, so, so basically... We then moved to the, the lost data stage, which was at the the right-hand most edge of the ridge, up near where Greg had his little hide set up. <laughs> and uh, basically we had a a target, which I don't actually think I even knew the range to. Um, it, was, it was completely unknown. We, we yeah. initially put it at 355 metres, and then after the team day decided to move it so that it was unknown to all. Mm. Completely. So, sort of cut out the opportunities for bribes, I guess. But um, <laughs> you sound so disappointed, Andrew. Yeah, I was a bit of a letdown. But so basically, we had a, an unknown size target at an unknown range. Now, the the sort of the real catch was we had three the rifles in a rack and three boxes of ammunition. All the rifles were two two threes, and all the ammunition was two two three as well. As I believe it was anyway. Um, <laughs> so basically, we would have two piles of cards which corresponded with a yeah a, a rifle and a particular box of ammunition it was a team stage so one person shot one spotted now the idea being the rifles certainly were not zeroed for any particular range whatsoever in any way shape or form well, up until that particular day they never had the ammo run through them yeah so i mean i, I believe it was all uh vmax Ammunition, it however, was. it was 40, 50, and 60 grain. Correct. With quite different characteristics. So basically, the shooters had no idea what it was they were loading. <laughs> Staff didn't have any idea either. No, I'd have said, yeah, grab it out of that box, you're right. So basically, it was, uh, I think they had uh, from seven. seven rounds and 90 seconds. So we gave from when they drew the, the cards to, and you know, for their rifles and ammunition, we gave them about a minute to load up magazine if they wished i think we had our most trouble actually loading the magazine <laughs> that what, was the what gun did you end up with Gal? uh i think it was it, i think it was a savage i think that was in on the teams though that was greg's favorite as well oh, did you love, love that one oh, i love that gun mate mate i wanted to break I <laughs> well it made me love my own gun yeah, yeah yeah i didn't shoot but i wanted to break it <laughs> my teammate was shooting and he wanted to break it but uh yeah it was uh yeah so it was a savage a ticker and savage, a thompson yeah yeah all right. with varying scopes on them yep yeah, and in the basically the stage was uh, you weren't allowed to touch the turrets on any of the right on the scopes at all, and you weren't allowed to touch the magnification until your time started. So it was completely unknown, basically. In the um, reticule focus. 
was the parallax. Parallax was out. Yeah. Mm. So you know, we just, I mean, I didn't get on the turrets and just wind them crazily between shooters. because <laughs> sound like you didn't need to. No, it didn't need to because even, and I started off thinking, you know, am I going to really get the, the guys that aren't shooting? Should I really separate them so they can't see what's going on? But it was pretty evident straight away that there was no advantage whatsoever because of the combinations available. Well, that's right. You had, you had, you had three no different, idea. Three ammo, different three guns, different three different guns. ammos, and, and so it was... Uh, and even then it didn't help. No, no, and you could be standing there watching and you would give you no real assistance because you didn't know where they're holding. And mm. So the premise was that uh, obviously the person shooting uh, could obviously, well, presumably in most of the cases, see their fall or shot, but uh, certainly their... Their spotter. Yeah, the spotter had a spotting scope we provided and you know they were to obviously call corrections and it, it was a fairly entertaining stage to watch from my perspective because some guys did very well at it, uh, some didn't do very well at all yeah well um, it was it was top uh, it was two points per impact and the top score from stormtrooper precision which is quite ironic um was uh 10 points so five impacts out of seven yeah on and i like to run it down like this on an unknown distance with an unknown target through an unknown rifle with unknown ammunition with unknown data yeah yeah, and basically that, um, when those guys ran that stage, it was you know, two shots to get onto it, and then obviously found the, the hold, and bam, 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 nailed it the next five. So Yeah, it's funny, because we, when we came up with that stage, uh, and I, Greg, were you involved with the concept of that stage, or was that just purely with Dan? No, I, I ran the practice day, yeah, uh, okay. and a good fun stage, a good fun stage. I struggled uh, with the rifle, but yeah, great fun. I was, think Dan and I um, were talking one day, and we went, I think it came around the premise of, do you reckon we'd get away with this in a comp? Is giving these guys this sort of scenario um, because and, and, and you did <laughs> just, um, but we that was where the concept came from. Was is this something could actually pull off? Do people have the skills to be able to do it? And the more we thought about it, we thought, well, this is not while it's not necessarily a completely real world scenario. It no. could happen. You could find yourself in a situation where you've got nothing at all. Um, and it's only fundamental knowledge that gets you on. You don't need any specific, you know, higher end knowledge to get there, you know. Well, it was all based. I mean, that, that was the, the big concept for changing the ammo was um, to make, uh, to put it in a position where the guys had um, no significant advantage on really knowing ballistics. Because if they, if they picked up a 2 to 3, the assumption would be it'd be a 55 grain soft point of some sort. And away you go, you could sort of guess your way there. But um, by changing the ammo around, um, it was really a shooter spotter communication stage. Mm. Yeah, and, and how did they go on that, the, the communication side of things? Well, again, this was one that was it was frustrating and funny, sometimes in the same stage, like same group um, going through, in that uh, some of the guys worked really well together and others <laughs> would have been so frustrated with each other. You know, we had you know, guys making... MOA calls and we got guys making mill adjustment calls and it was one of those stages given everything was unknown <clears throat> I, you know if I was going to run it personally like I, I would be making calls correction calls in target yeah, sizes gongs. Yep. Gongs, and, yeah. and that's how I'm probably most of the guys said but uh, there were there certainly there was some some very frustrating communication backwards and forwards like no no come a bit left no no up a bit no no down a bit um <laughs> It, it was pretty funny to watch. Yeah, but I have to I have to say we did make it ever so slightly easier by putting the target very close to the ground because we did discuss putting the target at the top of the dropper, the star dropper, which would have been a nightmare. Yeah. So, I, no, that, we, did, we did concede yeah. on that. And I, it was interesting because I, I did hear a couple of the guys calling, like, rather than, uh, you know, trying to just make a correction call in, in target sizes, and they said aim at that rock or at that dark spot or whatever it might be which yep. which was good I thought and it gave you know yeah. exact hold points and that worked. sort of thing so yeah, yeah. interesting stage so Stormtrooper Precision got that which was Sean Milner and James Price so well done boys you actually heard them do their run yeah. I just heard bang ding bang ding bang ding and I thought well someone just shot well and then Sean came out all smiles so. it, it seemed to be that thing where, where some guys did the guys who got onto it did really well but the guys who probably suffered a bit in communication really struggled with with being able to get on and that mm. didn't necessarily relate back to quality of shooter level it was quality of communication mm. yeah because mm. I, I saw really good shooters that were struggling because they obviously couldn't see the fall of shot yeah and their spotter wasn't communicating well with them so 
I reckon the worst time to shoot that would have been Saturday morning when it just rained. And so yeah. everything wouldn't have been kicking up so much. I mean, it was minimal. I mean, I was but then again, a in the afternoon, it was pretty windy. Yeah, a bit of bit each way, I guess. It was challenging for some, and it looked easy for others. So, <laughs> <laughs> good stage, but yeah, mm. yeah, good fun. Yeah, it was a good bit of fun. Um, I don't think we, I don't think we shot that very well, to be honest. I think we got one or two rounds um, on target at the end, but uh, it, it bit of fun, I, I think, and and. Um, you know, interesting to hear some of the comments after we'd shot. You know, most of the arguments behind the scenes with the other shooters were what ammo we were shooting. You know, and, and like I'm pretty sure it's two, two, three boys, and like everyone's saying, "Oh no, it's this or it's that." And so it was, it was, it was good. It was a good fun stage, and it, and it got everybody interacting. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Now, anything, any stage that gets guys talking about it, even if it's good or bad, I'm, oh yeah, it was always good fun because at least it's uh, sort of left a mark on them. Yeah, well, I, I was sort of, I tried to. You know, all the, all the groups coming through say to them, "Look, if you've got any anything to say about it, good or bad, bring it up because you know that's how we improve and that's how we sort of make people happier for for future shoots." So that'll mm. come up later in the discussion, no pro, no doubt. But we got a lot more stages right this year than we did last year, I think. Uh, all right, so the next one moves us onto air supply again. The third of your trilogy of stages, Andrew. Yeah, so so basically this stage was shot from sort of the middle position, I guess, on the the ridge between the first first and the last stage, or first and second stage. Um, basically, sort of, I, I started by explaining there was there was one set of targets, which was a know your limits rack of targets. Which for those that don't know, it's a it's on one frame. You've got five targets um, ranging from you know largest going down to quite small in size. Um, instead of traditionally the know your limits is you, you shoot on the largest ones and, and go down but if you miss you lose all your points so it's sort of like working out where you stop. On this particular stage we, we didn't actually lose or take points off if they missed a particular target. Yeah it was a test your limits. Yeah so they had to start at largest and then progress their way down to smaller so you, if you missed a target or hit an incorrect one you had to just keep going until you actually hit the target you were actually nominated to be shooting on. Yep. Um, it was it was only it was 332 meters. Now the, the the last couple of targets on the rack were quite small, as you could probably attest to, Galen. They're certainly a challenging. They certainly were. Yep. Particularly in the wind. I mean, it was really blowing most of the weekend, and so guys are sort of thinking, oh yeah, okay. Said seven rounds, and and they had 90 seconds to do it. Um, my guys seem to be quite okay with that. And then I said, okay, now the catch here is there's a timer, <laughs> and it was a. A timer which we had built for us by Precision Rifle Products, I think. Thank you very much to Steve from Precision Rifle yeah. Products. Yeah, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> very sincere, Galen. Very sincere. So, so basically, there was a, a short distance off the mat where they were to be shooting was a large red button and a screen. The a, red button of death. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and a screen which the, the shooter started next to that button and on go they had to press the button which then started a 20 second countdown now the premise of the shoot was if that timer got down to zero they were out of time they're out of air and they got no points for the stage mm -hmm. so basically they could press that button whenever they liked like as often as they liked. they didn't have to let it run down but uh it was just far enough off the mat that they actually had to get up off the mat, move to the button and press it. They couldn't just reach over and, and press it. In the sand? In the sand, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I did cop it in that one too because the wind was howling back towards where I was sitting spotting. Oh, Every time I they sorry for you. Poor yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you should have rolled that quad bike. Um, I, ne I nearly did. I'm sure. Twice. But, uh, no, so it was... It was one of those stages when I first explained it, guys were like, oh, yeah, cool, you know, we don't even miss out points for missing a target here. And then you throw the, the real time constraint in there. Yeah, the jaws and, drop. Uh, oh, it was hilarious to watch. <laughs> it really was. Um, I I sort of shot it, sort of half-heartedly shot that stage on the team's day, and I sort of thought, well, you've got plenty of time. 20 seconds yeah. is a fair bit of time. I, I, I would have run it, um, get down, fire one shot, hit the target, casually get up press the button and uh and do that you know reset it between shots we had guys get it right down i, I was watching the screen i thought that's going to time out and it, it must have hit it with a fraction of a second to go and uh, yeah. 
then there were guys that didn't hit it hard enough and so it didn't reset and oh, it was... Yeah, actually, this was one stage I could see from my little hidey hole on the oh, top of the sand dune. And I was watching dudes get up and hit that button. And there's some pretty agile guys in the competitor list. Yeah. They were like doing, you know, what would you call it? Going from lie, like lying prone to pretty much straight up into a... Like straight up into a standing, like squatting position. They're yeah, pretty right. agile. And then... Like, Diving over, diving back. Because like they, they had to open the bolt before they left the gun. To yeah. Get, yeah. You know. but the, the funniest was when they, they did all that really cool agile stuff, but then they didn't hit it hard enough, so they had to get back up again. <laughs> <laughs> and if they left it, there was a couple where I'm like, they're diving, frantically diving. And it was, it really put guys under pressure and stress. Yeah, it, like, it certainly did. I, um, it took me a couple of, a couple of goes to work out that I could get it down to about five, maybe four seconds um we were able to have our teammate call the time ah see andrew's a much nicer ro than i have yeah, been because yeah. i would have uh i would have gone hardcore prs rules and said there is no assistance from anyone and but uh, but yeah. uh just to to sort of interject there sam uh, it was run as a combo stage which absolutely I, yeah absolutely. my interpretation and, and so was that uh we were going to yeah, that's it's minimal assistance. That yeah. was all that. No, game. no, I, I, um, but I we, we I still ran it down. Yeah, no, I didn't complain to, about it at all. It was, yeah. it was, I think it was smart to do it that way. I'm just a bit more of a bastard, so I would have. Plus, yeah, plus. And, and that and that would have <laughs> and that would have changed the dynamic of it. It would have changed certainly. It yeah, but yeah. then again, the original concept was that that, that um, button, and it was funny that you say people weren't hitting it hard enough because we had a spare replacement button on standby. So if someone hit it hard enough to break it, we could have swapped it out and, and kept on going. It didn't seem to be the case. No, but I think <laughs> some of the guys that didn't hit it hard enough on the first hit. They were hitting it pretty hard on the second. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw guys doing like Superman dives. <laughs> yeah, you know, from from two yeah, meters yeah, away. It was a dynamic stage. I'd be interested to see uh, some of the footage of that yeah. one um, because it, yeah, there there was a little bit of movement, and most of us looked like I think turtles. You know, like with two arms and two legs going everywhere and trying to sort of snake around. I think there was a lad from um, down south, Steve. Yep, shot yep. it really well. I think. Yeah, I've got he footage pretty of that well. one. That'll be yeah. in the video. I think. Um, for, he's from down south somewhere and uh, who top scored on that one Rusty you know? the top score on air supply was Lucas McKinney uh, with 10 yeah uh, so, so he's that's done well what, yeah. yeah that's that's quite a good score on that one but that, um, it's funny because when we designed that stage originally the idea was that, that button would be a good 10 plus metres away and it would be a get up from the rifle run to it hit the button run back and I remember on the team day Andrew only put it a couple of metres away and I've come up to it you know because I didn't particularly observe it and I've gone oh how's how's it going and he said that's exactly right where it is um, and the boys I yeah. think changed the side of which it was on which I think was really smart because you actually well maybe not for Greg but you, you favoured the, the you favoured the left-hand shooters because they could have seen it from their shooting position. The right-hand shooters couldn't have. Um, so well, th easily. thankfully, there wasn't too many left-handed shooters there. But no, well, Greg didn't. Let are there, are there still left-hand shooters around? <laughs> Unfortunately, Greg, <laughs> oh, they got DQ'd. Man, <laughs> but it um, was it was one of those stages that it was. It was just enough to break the position. Yeah, and that's really all we wanted. Um, and yeah. it, having the uh, the spotter or their partner, not spot for them. It wasn't that they weren't behind a scope, yeah. but they were watching the time. I think that added a huge amount of sort of comedy value to the stage in that uh, yeah. it was almost like there was the, the the spectators were getting more worked up than the shooters <laughs> Yeah, that's were. true. There was, there, was, there was a lot of yelling there and screaming. There was a lot of laughter. Yeah. A lot of laughter and coming I've, from I've seen the Frantic calling and yeah. it, was, it was really entertaining. I've seen the videos from it and I completely agree with the right way you run it, like from the original concept you know, of actually allowing their teammate to yell and scream. It, it created a different dynamic. I think had we... It'd have been only, yeah. The way I would have run it had I been RO for it, um, would have had seen a lot more guys time out on it. But I think the way you ran it created quite a sense of drama and quite a sense of theatre to it that it actually probably worked very, very well. Oh, I, that no, was I love it. My favourite. It was yeah. a fun stage. No, it, it was a fun stage. Definitely. Yeah. It's certainly a good a good mix on the original. KYL type setups. Gee, but didn't we have some bloody target malfunctions on that one? Yeah, that was, was all day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't worry, that's uh, been addressed. Uh, cool. So now that we've talked about target malfunctions, let's move oh, on. No, to three that's, that's the most interesting part of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, three straight. Uh, Galen, do you want to do you want to mention this one? Yeah, this sure. Probably sure. up your alley. Yeah, beauty. Uh, so three straight. Are you uh, probably 
Do you want to clarify the history of it as well? Or do you want me to do the history? Uh, you can do the history. Oh, well, you talk about the stage, and I'll, I'll cover it in the history. Just so the stage um, was um, three stroke was what it was called. Uh, three shooting mats spaced out um, at uh, what are they? 10, 12 meters, something like that. Could, yeah, 10. 10, 10, 10 meters. It was not. It was just randomly put out, so no intention on the distance. Yep. Um, and uh, there was a target set out, uh, centre target being 513 metres, left-hand target 415 metres, and right-hand target 255 metres, which was a pig, pig, pig gong, I think. Is that correct? Yep. Sounds right to me. Um, so the, uh, the premise was uh, 120 seconds on the clock. Um, a shooter would, uh, would approach uh, any one of the shooting mats, and uh, proceed to put rounds down range on that particular target, not able to transition until they'd put a round on that target. Sure. Um, the one of the, I think the extreme left-hand side was the off-shoulder shot. Correct. Yep. So once an impact was made, you had to transition to another target, any target of your choice. And the extreme right was a kneeling shot. Uh, extreme right on the pig, yeah, at uh, 255 was kneeling. So a shooter would come up, and uh, I think I started on the uh, the middle mat, which was a uh, the the the, uh, the natural sh- uh, natural shoulder right hand shot for me. Yep. Um, put around down, hit that. I transitioned. I played it safe again. Uh, kneeling shots probably <laughs> not my uh, not my forte. forte. Yeah, and the wind was pretty strong there as well, it and I think a lot there. of people struggled with that pig target. Hits so I transitioned. It's, it's called misery flats out there. Yeah. So I transitioned between the um, the uh, the right hand sh- side shot and the off shoulder shot um, for the 120 seconds, and um, uh, I made an error. I, I, I shot the left hand shoulder shot on my right, hit the ca- hit the target, had to reshoot, so cost myself some time there. <laughs> oh, Didn't no. get any points for it, <laughs> but um, again, a good fun stage, pretty st- challenging, I think, with the wind on that one. Yeah, well, that, that stage comes out from a stage last year called Two Stroke, which is the uh, the STS-sponsored stage. And again, this year is to the STS-sponsored stage. And so we uh, it was actually probably the most or second most or within the top three of last year uh, popular stage, uh, which was interesting because it was a last-minute stage that was literally literally last minute it was uh the stage was meant to be organized by sean from sts who unfortunately had some uh, medical condition uh who couldn't make the shoot uh at last minute and so we added in that stage and because we'd had the signs printed uh as sts stage we needed something that went with uh, those letters so we went with sean's two stroke and those who know the reason for that will find it amusing and those who don't uh, it was just called STS stage once two strokes so this year uh, when we came around to it we thought we'd go with three stroke and add that additional mix in there of the um, kneeling position uh, which certainly I think we saw every approach for that we saw guys go kneeling off shoulder to try and maximise points three points for your kneeling two points for your off shoulder one for your standard and then guys like yourself who went with the two prone shots and back and forth and then guys that did all three yeah my, I guess my, my thought was transition or move almost fell off my chair then (laughs) life's a challenge yeah it is yeah um move between the two uh closest stages and uh sorry the positions and uh with the shooting positions that i felt quite comfortable with shooting on my off shoulder doesn't seem to be too much of a problem to me certainly not at that range uh 415 meters so because you're not running that grs stock anymore that's that's correct that is correct um so yeah i mean I, i think there was a lot of people i saw a lot of people shoot it very very well uh, I'm not sure who top scored on that, but I think... Top score on that one, there was three shooters. Stephen Goldsmith, Goldie on 12, Greg Hamilton, obviously on the same, and uh, some other bloke from out north, Enzy McDonald, also on the same points. Oh, God. Oh, him. Well, well done, boys. You all shot really well um, on that stage. But, um, yeah, and, and another thing, a point that I didn't make was you had to... Um, I'm reading here, it's run what you brung. So you had to wear your full kit, your full pack, yep. whatever you'd brought with you including um, you know slings, bags, water, the whole lot. Which, Which is funny because we started getting guys asking about whether or not they started hearing about how much walking there was going to be involved, which was only six kilometres, by the way. It wasn't like some massive trek. Only. Only. Um, but the um, the guys uh, started asking, oh, can we bring a golf cart? I said, absolutely. You can bring a golf cart. You can bring whatever you like. But 
it may hold you back on a couple of stages. And on a stage like that, they would have had to drive their golf cart from the first shooting mat, the 10 metres across to the second shooting mat, get out, shoot. So no one, no one ran a golf cart. Which I was quite disappointed about. I would have actually liked to see that. That would have been good fun. Good video, anyway. No, Andrew's not even going to comment on that one. He, he thought about it, but probably inappropriate. So, moving on. Definitely inappropriate. <laughs> you could be the new inappropriate, Greg. So, moving on to uh, the stage number 10, uh, Barricade Bonanza. Uh, this was a barricade stage, which I guess makes sense from the name. But there was three different barricades. And actually, no, that's a lie, wasn't it? There was five different barricades, three different types of barricades. So the first one was three different, uh, sorry, two different tank traps. Yes, big one, big one. Four. There was four, yes. Yeah, there was so. four. We took one out. So there was two different tank traps, a large one and a small one. Um, and the guys would have to take, uh, what, three shots off the first one, two yes, off the second? correct. Then there was a rooftop stage. But breaking with tradition, rather than shooting... Most people will be familiar with a rooftop. Uh, well, a lot of people will be familiar where you shoot uh, sort of up the angle of the roof across it. Uh, um, this one here, you had to shoot... The, along, uh, along along the ridge line of yeah. the uh, the ridge capping, I guess of yep. of the roof line um, with the shots. There was two shots on each side. Correct. So you had to with, shoot on the right with most of, the m- most of your body on the left hand side. Yep. Uh, rifle on the ridge. Yep. And then flip. And then flip over to the most of your body on the right hand side. Rifle on the ridge, which was a an off shoulder shot, left hand shot for me. And when that stage was originally built, or that barricade was originally built, it was so slippery. It still was. Now, when it was originally built, it didn't have those little supports on it, so you actually couldn't get no grip on it, so you'd literally fall off the stage. I actually fell off the roof gun, went one side, <laughs> I went the other. Um, I saw, and I mean, I caught the gun, obviously, and, and I mean, I actually quite enjoyed that stage, so yep. thanks, Ben Johnson, for that one. Well done. Um, but uh, I, I saw guys, I actually came off the roof and ran around the back of it to get on the other side. <laughs> Um, but I saw guys try and straddle the roof and get stuck because it was so slippery they couldn't get any sort of uh, especially that bloke purchase. they killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Um, and and so then they'd move on from there to probably one of the most. Oh, sorry, Greg, were you going to mention something about the roof? Not not now. I'll mention something later. Keep going. Okay. And then the third barricade on that stage was what we called the open doors, um, which was a frustrating barricade with six holes in it, two different levels. One that was uh, on the ground. But um, one that was on the ground, but it was sort of fairly well contained, so you had to sort of nestle up into it. And and there was three holes on that. Uh, I'll clarify that in a second. Then you had to jump up onto a little platform, which was not big enough to go prone on. Um, and you would shove your barricade, your, your rifle through on that. Now the the holes that are on these ones were actually had doors on them that were sprung and sprung in different angles so you had to push your gun through and perhaps you might have to hold it open or push all the way through so your scope would go through or or all sorts of challenges and then what we saw the most which we didn't think about prior but was a wonderful little icing on the cake for us as uh, as um, designers of the stage was uh, guys would get their muzzle brakes caught on these doors when they're pulling their guns back through which um, has made for some wonderful video uh, majorly frustrate, <laughs> frustrating for some competitors. But um, to be able to yeah, push through sprung doors and then have to pull the gun back through and, and to go through six of these, unfortunately no one actually finished it uh, on the uh, competition. Um, but one, one guy I think got his rifle through to the last hole and uh, didn't quite get the shot off on that one. Targets, distances, oh, I haven't got written down because they were organised the day before, but they were not... They were not. I think 350 for the tank Yeah, they, traps, were, they were not significantly like challenging, and they were actually quite large targets. We we originally, when that stage was put together, they were all sort of five, four, five, six hundred metres stuff, and they were just too hard... Um, because the challenge is enough there in the positional shooting and the time stress that we wanted to bring those targets way in between sort of two to 350 metres, and they're big targets, really big targets. Again, run with all your gear, yeah, uh, which made it a little bit more difficult again. And, Good. and it, it's made, yeah, it's made <laughs> certainly made me rethink um, the backpack that I yeah. will run. Greg, you're looking uh, perplexed. You were going to bring something up. Yeah, I was just, the the three stages that were out on Misery Flats. What were they? We two. T- There's only two. The there three was stroke and the barricades. Okay. Yep. And who sponsored those? 
Uh, STS in the armory. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for your questions. I'm sure there was three stages out there. there I'm positive. Nah. Two is enough. <laughs> two is enough. There was two out there, and Andrew and three in the same area. Greg was one running his uh, his, his sort of schedule for three. Yeah, <laughs> I must have been having a nap at that point. <laughs> Nobody's on this third stage ever. What's no. going on? Yeah, now I'm dreaming. Everyone scored donuts on that one. All right, I'm going home now. I'll catch us later. <laughs> so the um, yeah, that that was uh, one point per about fifteen shots. It was a higher round uh, count sort of uh, stage, and and look, you know, the, the guys. Um, I did sort of run it a little bit on the teams A, eh? and and Galen, did you enjoy that stage? Yeah, I did. It it was uh, it was pretty challenging. Yep. I I didn't uh, get it, getting the the rifle through the the first. Um, what do you call it? The trap door, I guess. The trap doors, yeah. uh, I, I, I was, you know, with the gear on, you're trying to sort of get into that little sort, sort of that small confined area. Uh, I stuck the rifle through it, ejected my mag. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got another mag in and, uh, and, and, and realised that I couldn't see anything through my scope, so I had to hold the flap open on the trap door open. And right in front of me was this, was this, this, this pig gong just, just sitting there waiting to be hit, and I, and I, I struck a dead, Snorting. I struck, struck a dead centre, and um, Ben's like wrong target, mate. I was meant to be shooting up on the hill, <laughs> so I didn't get any points for it. But he goes, that was a damn good hit. <laughs> so yeah, very, very, very challenging. Um, and I think Ben was, uh, Ben was proud of himself for uh, designing that one. <laughs> good. Good, yeah. No, that was a that was a good fun stage actually, and and to throw a lot of barricades in at once really conf- not confused a lot of guys, but certainly tested their limits of understanding how barricades should be shot. Uh, it was good to see. Just a, a quick point regarding barricades. I, yeah. I think it was sort of cruel that uh, on the practice day you had the uh, the levels barricades set up for people to use, and uh, I heard so many guys saying, "Oh, levels up it, yeah, I'll have a go with that one," and uh, it wasn't actually used in the comp. So. Yeah, so those guys who've listened to our podcast or shot the comp from last year or, or anything in between, Levels is a common a common stage we run, which uh, uses like a series that Andrew built of uh, bars at sort of different heights, hence the reason Levels, and we put that out on the practice day uh, on the Friday so guys could play with it and train with it, and then we didn't use it, uh, and it was put out with that intention that guys would spend a fair bit of time sort of working on it and trying it out. But levels actually can be utilised as a really good training tool um, for different heights. As Galen, you've done that particular course that relates to that, and, and I have. yeah, worked very well for that concept. But it was it was great to see guys get thoroughly disappointed. Well, I said yeah, there were yeah several people I heard specifically mention that particular <laughs> barricade. Oh, we got to yeah, we'll have a go on that one. Yep. And the irony was great because the the one which we did put in there, the 90-degree shot, only Galen practised on. (laughs) No one else even bothered to try it. So, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Point for next year. Absolutely. So, um, uh, moving on to stage 11, which was King of One Mile, which was uh, the the big long distance stage. And so, um, the idea was as a similar, I guess, a similar concept taken from the King of Two Mile, how how it's run. Um, But we wanted to give the guys a real challenge for the long range and obviously sort of mixing up as much distance as we could. So, the guys would have, it was a, it was a, individual stage but the points would also count that the highest of the two teammates whoever got the highest score would then count towards their team as well so it wasn't the pressure on the guys who couldn't do super long range sort of stuff very well and the targets were uh, they're all the same size they're all 582 millimeter target um, which is approximately two minutes at a thousand meters they were the first one was eight hundred and seventy six meters. Next one at thousand eight meters. Next one at thirteen twenty one, and the final one at sixteen sixty three meters. Uh, and so the guys would get the option of uh, five shots per target, but they could only move on to the next distance target if they hit one of those five. If they hit two of the five, they would move on immediately. So they could take a uh, you know sort of five shots, hit the last one, and they'd be able to move on to the the next one at a thousand meters from the eight seventy six. And uh, but if they hit two, if they hit the first two, they'd move on straight away. And so they'd hit the first three, and if they hit the first three targets, then they would be given an additional um, two and a half minutes to then run to a different location, which was only a. Um, 
it was only probably 20 metres 20, 20 metres through the gate yeah through yeah. the gate and mm. such um, to a different position to be able to engage the mile plus target um, but they'd be given you know, another two and a half minutes on top of whatever else time they had we didn't find too many people timed out a huge amount it was really more a matter of they just they got to whatever limit they got to and or round count further yeah, they, yeah, they finished their they finished five, their rounds, five rounds. Couldn't couldn't engage a particular target, but we did have a number of shooters get them their way out to the mile target. Galen, you were one of those shooters, but uh, only two of the thirty shooters actually impacted the mile target, um, which was you know which was good. And and I was glad to see that the guys that did hit didn't necessarily do it in the most favourable the wind conditions uh, either. So I know that some of the the guys went through that stage. Actually, we, we paused that stage on the Saturday morning because there wasn't a lot of wind. We had a little bit of flexibility with the running of it. So we uh, we didn't run that first up, uh, which meant that pretty much everyone had a reasonable element of wind, which was great um, to, to deal with. And, and I remember I remember being on around that stage because that stage was around sort of the main base of where we were, shoot, or where we were operating from. Uh, and the first guys that ran through that stage, no one got to the mile target. I'm not even sure if anyone got out past a thousand meters. And I thought, oh no, we've made this stage too hard. Ah, oh, that's <laughs> that's no good. And then I remember seeing uh, Galen's squad come through, and I think in your squad, I think four got to the mile. Uh, no, I think it was three. Two. Me and Scott. Patel, the I squad before, sorry, squad I'm, before. I, I am thinking of yep. the other squad after the second second squad that went through. Uh, about three or four of them got the chance to shoot at the mile. Now only, uh, I don't think any of them, I think one of them hit uh, hit the mile, but the others, or two of them hit the mile, um, but a few of them actually got round to it. So it was really encouraging to see that, that it was actually quite achievable to get the first three targets uh, for a lot of the guys, which is very good to see. I, I really actually enjoyed that stage that would be my top three i, I shot it yeah right. um i shot it really well yeah um did. and um i think the the fact that m- most of the competition wasn't at a super long range majority was under under 800 under 800 meters and so you know to have that thrown in there um to, to I, I guess reward the people that have done the work to get out that far yep um it was a good stage uh, and I think the timing was was good. There's plenty of time um, to do it. And yeah, as I said, I don't uh, think too many timed out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you should congratulate uh, Lucas McKinney and, and uh, the other bloke but it's, um, on hitting the mile target on that particular stage and top scoring both on twelve. And uh, Lucas also top scored on the barricade one, but his run was a super smooth. He got thirteen out of fifteen. He absolutely smashed that, which was very good. Uh, so good job to Lucas and Butters. Uh, the next one on from there, which was a rehash from last year. Greg, do you want to run through this one? Because you've been pretty uh, loud and we, you know, just yeah, no, nice I'm trying to contain myself. That's um, exactly right. This is pick a card. Yeah, stage pick 12. a card. So, um, yeah, basically they had two minutes. Uh, they had a target board out at, well, what would the distance end up being? We, we adjusted that at the last minute, didn't we? Well, it was about 140, 160, somewhere in there. Yeah, we got 152 on here, but we, we adjusted it to suit the conditions um, yep. prior to it. But basically, the uh, the shooters would step up. They would pick five random cards out of a deck, and down on the target board, they had a full deck of cards, minus a few that were hard to identify. We took them out. Yep. Um, and then, basically, it was an observation and and uh, communication type exercise where one person would be on the spotting scope and the other was the shooter. And the person on the spotting scope would try to direct their shooter onto the five cards they dealt in turn. So, uh, trying to achieve, what was it? Two points per correct card impact. Yep. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure how that went. Do you, you observed it for a while. Did it was successful yeah, guess, this year? Well, so last year, this is the stage that we actually pulled because it was really unfair to, to a bunch of guys. They the, the difference was last year, it was probably a little bit further away, but more importantly is that a bunch of the spotters you well, went behind the rifle rather than a spotting scope and therefore perhaps either didn't have the clarity of the magnification or a combination of both perhaps to be able to really identify the cards 
quite well. This year we, we based our distance on the distance that we could comfortably see through a spotting scope what the card was. So it would truly become a, a communication skill rather than a maybe a shooting skill or a uh, equipment race. And it was achieved, wasn't it? You could identify it through the yep. spotting scope, but not through the rifle scope so much. For majority of the rifle scopes, yeah. that was correct. And and look, top score uh, was eight points on that one out of possible ten. And I've got written down here that there was too many to name that I got eight points, which means there was more than three teams that achieved that. Yeah, Galen, how did you find that? Uh, we found it quite challenging. I think. Um you know, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a communication stage. Yeah. And um, did you shoot or spot? I shot. Yep. Um, my could you see the cards? My scope. Um, you know my scope. Yeah. And and I could see the cards quite clearly. Yep. Um, but yeah, communicating on. Um, I mean, I've worked pretty hard on communication. Shoot or spot a communication, as you know. Um, most of that with a teammate that I didn't shoot the competition with. That's right. For various yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, had had we been shooting together, um, maybe we would have had a, a, a different result. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a not a challenging shoot at that range. Yep. Um, but certainly finding the card if you're. I mean, I, I was. I I could see the card I was meant to be shooting at. Um, quite clearly but uh you know i wasn't pulling the trigger until i, I knew that was the card and i got <laughs> got if you get caught on the wrong card you shoot and you miss it's it's no yeah, because you only had the five rounds you see it correct yeah so yeah, yeah i think it was a good stage hmm. certainly certainly improvement from the previous year and uh, yeah uh, it certainly played out how we originally intended, Greg, because I know you are over for the, the previous year. And yeah, I got a lot of grizzles, got yeah. a lot of grizzles, and uh, yeah, hence the reason why we we pulled it. But it was good that we we got to run it in its original philosophy, I guess, that we didn't quite execute in the yep. previous year. So yeah, which, it was good. Which brings me on to the next stage, which was the the most controversial of the weekend. Um, for some guys, actually, they said it was the most fun. It was actually in their top in their top stages but but from a scoring perspective it was the most controversial so this was a stage called absolute clay him and the, the concept behind this stage that there was 20 clay targets out in front of you uh, all in pairs and you had so 10 pairs of two and you had to hit both pairs to qualify for the the point that was available per pair so effectively it was half a point per target but um you had to hit both to be able to get it. Now the um, the timer was uh, forty five seconds, which some guys did actually get all twenty rounds off within those forty five seconds, including a mag change. So um, the time seemed appropriate, but um, the t- the highest score on this one was only four points, which I, which meant obviously they shot uh, successfully eight or four pairs, so eight clays that matched up, but that doesn't necessarily reflect they may have shot a lot more clays than that, but perhaps not in a pairing. And and situation. they were unknown unknown distances. There were unknown well. distances but, but what they were, weren't they were within three hundred uh, two hundred and eighty meters or thereabouts. Yeah. Three hundred and four meters I've got here. So they were they were all within varmint shooting range, uh, so to speak. Um and so, yeah, this this stage is funny because um, I've spoken with a few guys since about the history of this stage because it was it was designed as a really fun, quick shoot uh, to get a whole stack of rounds downrange as quickly as possible. Um, and perhaps there was some interpretation of the briefing that um, left things open to either being uh, a mixture of half a point per round uh, per target, but only would count for full amounts. Versus actually being pairs of targets next to each other. And what ended up being the scoring system was pairs of targets next to each other. But that wasn't necessarily the intent of the design of the stage. You could have shot 11 of any of the targets and you would have got points for 10 targets. But obviously uh, at at some point um, that, that shifted and changed. And actually the original design of the stage was very different to here. And we changed the stack about the comp about four weeks out and this is one of the uh, the stages that actually got kept in because we'd shot it as a test and it was really good fun and it was really good fun um but the the story the scoring perhaps uh, let it down to its full potential having said that we didn't pull the stage because the scoring was equal for everyone uh 
So while four was a top score, um, the scores were, were relatively balanced. No one was disadvantaged by that fact. Um, they just operated within the rules. Just this, the potential score of 10 was was um, quite a significant challenge. I remember I shot... I shot the test of this stage and I got nine. We only had 10 frames at that stage and I got nine out of 10 in 23 seconds or thereabouts. They weren't in pairs at the time. And so we thought, oh, okay, it's, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy trying it out. Uh, and I didn't do a mag change. So we, we upped, the, upped the round count, up the, the mag change as well and up the time limit. Um, so it was quite a, um, an interesting stage. Uh, and actually a couple of guys said it was one of their favourites despite the scoring being wrong and I think that was probably the point is the scoring was wrong but the stage was good fun yeah I, I'd agree with that yeah absolutely I mean shooting off that um, oh that's str- probably str- something to clarify you haven't, you haven't clarified <laughs> what one. we were shooting off we were sitting in sand uh, or laying that or however competition yeah pretty sand. much yeah um, on a strategically um, chosen lump of wood Yep. You tree, can thank tree Goldie, Goldie for that. Oh, that Goldie's a lump of wood, yeah, isn't it? Right, right. Okay, I'll thank him next time. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was a very um, a very unique shooting position. Yeah. And and I mean, in in the squad that I was shooting with on that afternoon, it was approached in um, you know probably four different ways. Yeah. Cool. Um, which was good uh, to see, and yeah. uh, I think uh, Jordan shot it really well in my stage, if I recall. Um, yeah, I think the, uh, the 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 scoring was a little bit, you know, odd, I guess, or maybe wasn't explained correctly to us. But uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't wasn't um, you know it wasn't a disappointing stage. It wasn't a letdown. Um, it, was, yeah. it was fun to shoot. Yeah, gentlemen, did you hear anything about that particular stage? Not so much. No, I didn't really hear anything either way. Um, yeah, so I hadn't actually gone through the stage prior so I wasn't exactly sure what was, was happening there anyway so yeah I was in the same boat I didn't hear any grizzles or anything when I was in the evening or anything like that but I'm obviously there was a bit but uh yeah oh, look, not yeah not a huge amount of massive complaints just I think that that sort of theory the stage was was fun but perhaps could have been scored better yeah yeah yep. yeah that's something we uh, we certainly take on board and then hence the reason such as pick a card from last year absolutely was tweaked and adjusted to it worked uh but to well well done to uh, Chris from NT and uh, Greg Hamilton from Queensland who are top scored on that particular stage alright we're almost there, we've got two stages left so moving on quickly uh, last stage was uh, long range 12 gauge which was probably most m- most people said it was their favourite stage and consistently in the top three for people uh, Galen's giving me the look of it definitely was not for him no, I actually, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, no. I misread I enjoyed, your look. Sorry, I, I, I like all the ones I shot well. So, <laughs> so uh, no, it was, it was, uh, it was a good stage. Yeah. So essentially, um, a gun sitting prone on a on a shooting mat. Uh, Downrange is um, two targets. One at seven hundred and seventy-seven meters, worth two points. One at three hundred eighty-nine meters, uh, worth one point. So the uh, the premise of the uh, of the stage was. You had uh, it says 150 seconds. Is that correct? Yeah, two and a half minutes. So yep. Two and a half correct. minutes. Um, a small detail, I obviously didn't pay attention to. Um, <laughs> as fast as you could go mm, for. Mm. So you had to uh, you had to choose a target. So there's a spotter behind you, a scorer, to choose a target, nominate it. In my case, I nominated the 777 worth of two points. This was the Sunday for me, so I was uh, I was trying to sort of climb the leaderboard. So I went for the longer target. So once you put a round down range, I think it was unlimited uh, unlimited rounds as well. Correct. So once you got a round onto the target that you had chosen, be it the 777 or the 389, and impact was called by the uh, stage officer, yep. you needed to jump up, and I'm going to call it about 10 metres, something like that. Sure. Yep. yep. Good enough. So you'd run around uh, 10 metres. You'd pick up off a table a open... Uh, double barrel shotgun you would load a round uh, a shotgun shell you'd you'd sort of transition another five or so meters um, where there was a clay thrower you'd step on uh, most of us were jumping on a, <laughs> a uh, foot pedal yep. uh, which would unleash two uh, two uh, clays yeah you had to make the way I understood it an attempt 
to to kind of point the gun in the right direction, uh, shoot at the clay, uh, and uh, then transition it back to the table, break it open, put it down, run back to your uh, your rifle, and then continue on to keep putting rounds down and transitioning after your impact to the shotgun. Yeah, which, sounds uh, exactly right. Which was a lot of fun. Um, hard work. <laughs> it was hard work, and and I I shot directly after. Um, after someone who shot very very well um, with I think seven impacts, yeah, wow, uh, on good. the on the long range, that was uh, Jordan. So well done, Jordan. There you shot very very well on that one. Uh, so I shot after him, and I sort of watched him struggling to breathe afterwards. It was it was pretty intense. He probably um, struggled to breathe at the beginning of it, though. Yeah, correct. Um, and I I, uh, I think I, I ended up with six impacts uh, on on that stage, which I was pretty happy with. Yeah. I had a, a, a mag issue on my first shot probably cost me maybe 10 or 12 seconds yep. so potentially there was another another, another impact potentially yeah um I, I i'm not sure i think scotty scotty patel top scored on that with 16 is that correct uh scott and lucas as and well, lucas okay on, so on i 16 scott scott uh, scotty was shooting in my squad on that afternoon i watched him shoot it yep. and he deserved every single one of those yeah. 16 <laughs> points he had some he had mag feed issues as well yeah, so really yeah, Essentially, he could have hit a hit, hit another time, um, so he shot that superbly. It was it was a really good stage. I remember in the in the team day, um, we could not get the guys off that. Like, the guys had an hour to try three different stages, and after forty minutes on that particular stage, I had to come up and say, "Guys, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but you need to move on to the other two stages. You need to try." Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't get anyone to come across to pick a card. I no. remember. <laughs> Not at all. So, um, and and Galen's right when he said that you had to make an attempt with a shotgun because we this was the Andrew clause um, where all you had to do was attempt to try and hit the clay. There was no points made on hitting the clay or not. Just for the record, I think I got two. Two clays. Yeah. So I made more of an attempt. To, to be fair, most people think, actually hit quite I a few I think they clays. did, yeah. yeah. I think they, we smashed some clays but on But we wanted to put that clarification in there that, that there was no reason you had to hit the clay. But if you just like ran up and just went bang, just to move back to the gun. As, yeah, into the ground or something like that. Yeah, then, yeah. then the, the RO could call that they thought, no, you didn't even try, mate. This is was, this was why it was the Andrew clause. Had I been actually competing, yep. I, I would be genuinely arguing my point like I, I was actually trying to hit it I know it looked like I wasn't but, <laughs> but I, I'm to, that effective with a shotgun to lift the gun to the clay and pull the trigger whether you hit or not made no difference it was uh, it was showing intent but it was really the clay side of things was, was purely a distraction from keeping them off and I think the majority of people really went for the longer range I think most Target. did, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I only shot with obviously with a squad, um, you know, on that afternoon. I didn't see anyone else shoot it, but yeah. uh, I think one of our squad went for the the closer target, which was only worth the one point. Yeah. Um, but the wind kicked up a little bit at that point, and um, you know, he was shooting a rifle that that you know maybe he didn't feel comfortable with with, with getting out to that range. So. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's why I was there, so they could still score points and uh, go from there. So it brings us on to the last round of this marathon discussion on this particular shoot, uh, which was the team race. This one, uh, again, got a lot of comments back on that it was really good fun. And it was a mixture of, uh, it was a, t- a team stage which makes a lot of sense being called team race and effectively you had two rows of targets uh, one pink and one blue and the targets would be at you know sort of uh, roughly 50 meters ish between each target but it, it got a bit further in the distances and the variation from as you got further out so the closest one f- was 150 meters and the furthest one was about 780 meters uh, and it would continue, you know, you sort of, your left-hand shooter would shoot 150, your right-hand shooter, not right-handed shooter, sorry, but the shooter from the right-hand side of the shooting position would shoot 200 metres, then the the left-hand side would shoot 250 and vice versa and we would go on. The rule was that the uh, the first the shooter, first shooter would shoot and on the call from the RO of impact, the second shooter could then close their bolt and engage their target as soon as they call from impact, then go back to the the first shooter and do the same. Provided the bolt of the first shooter was left open. Correct. Yeah, the, the shooters would have to leave their bolts open. And so for for teams, again, it was a really good, uh, not team communication stage, but team awareness stage. So you would effectively have to do your own thing, 
but you were governed on a timing basis by your teammate. And we saw some really, some really impressive runs. This this probably was not designed with the intention that people would finish all, all 10 targets that were involved. Uh, and the top team uh, did get through, um, I'll clarify this, they got through uh, eight of the targets, uh, which was Jared uh, from Vic um Precision Service Rifle Series, who runs that in Victoria, and uh, Bronte from uh, from here, who came equal first last time. Depending if he's in the room, then he came second. But if he uh, if he's not, he came equal first. He's been on a podcast before, but th- those guys uh, did very very well. And and to be able to watch back on some of these stages, it was just bang impact, bang impact, bang impact, and the guys worked really well. And then other teams struggled. Um, with you know, sort of timing it correctly and sort of waiting properly and all those sort of things, or actually hitting the target. So, this was a very team dependent stage and uh, and was scored accordingly. But um, yeah, it was was really good fun. And we actually had again on the team day a lot of guys. Um, uh, on the, yeah, the, the RO day, a lot of the guys did have a crack on this one and did thoroughly. Actually, one of the guys, uh, one of the teams, did very well on the the staff day. So that's all 15, sorry, that's 15 of the stages. There is actually one more, which was shot on the Saturday morning, uh, and it was a single-shot cold ball cold shooter stage. Sunday Sunday morning. morning. Yeah, Yeah. you're correct on you once I've said that. Thanks for correcting me. The idea being that it was a a concept of of, um, cold ball, you know, sort of cold shooter, understanding that concept. And so the guys would be, were marched out, the entire crew, which uh, has ended up in one of the uh, greatest photos of uh, a whole stack of rifles in one position. Uh, we're still debating on how much that particular photo is worth. Um, but the um, 30 shooters were there and they'd come up in, in, in details of eight and they'd have um, uh, playing cards downrange, which are the Ace of Spades with a crosshair in the centre from uh, B&T who make the Atlas bipods. And they would have about 150-odd metres and they would uh, get 30 seconds, or one minute to set up, 30 seconds to take their shot and get as close to centre as possible, and then one minute to get out of there, and the next day detail would be in. It was a very quick stage, probably sort of a good seven or eight minutes all up for the entire thing to run through. And we had all sorts of uh, results from that. Guys couldn't find their targets, uh, which was you know, part of the time pressure. Guys, um, no one shot the wrong target, fortunately enough. Um, and then guys who, one guy missed dead centre, who ended up winning it, Greg Hamilton from Queensland, um, uh, was only like two millimetres off absolute dead centre, which was a thoroughly impressive shot. And we probably had about, probably about a third of people didn't get on the target. Did I hit mine? I don't recall. What, num- what number were you? Do you remember? 12, I think. Ah, definitely not. No. You were not in the Um... <laughs> And and we we actually saw on the target boards impacts close to the tar- card, but not on. We went, <laughs> they're you know really they're quite close, but they're not there. Um, so it was really interesting to see how well people understood where their cold ball, or perhaps the cold shooter theory, uh, where it ended up being. So uh, it was a very intriguing stage, but it wasn't uh, the reason we left it till till last to talk about it. It wasn't actually part of the competition. It was its own prize for whoever got the closest. So Greg Hamilton, I believe, won himself a Harris bipod for the efforts. It was uh, it was uh, worth it just to see that lineup of rifles, 32 rifles just... lined up. That was a, a, a moment. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's uh, an expensive lineup of rifles. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was thoroughly, uh, thoroughly good fun. And I think a lot of guys appreciated the fact they get one round down their gun after cleaning it the night before, before they actually had to compete, so, which was very good. So, gentlemen, we uh, we will probably, I think, finish it off there. It's been a bit of a uh, a bit of a run. We'll definitely do this one over two podcasts, which is uh, no news to uh, the guys listening because it'll be on the second podcast by now. But for you guys, <laughs> your benefit. Um, but overall, uh, Greg, you probably said the most tonight. But you know, we'll still get your thoughts on overall of the the comp. You you probably had the biggest, actually probably the biggest understanding of the overall running of it. Yeah, look, probably just from my perspective, the running of it, I think, was really smooth. Um, we didn't have any real complications or issues that weren't quickly resolved. Uh, I think all the guys knew where they needed to be. Just from a co-ord perspective, I think it went really, really well. Um, you know, obviously you were freed up to, to get around as a, as a range 
well, you know, the practice director and keep an eye on things. So, yeah, I just think it worked really well. We had good senior ROs, which makes a hell of a difference. Um, and I think from that perspective, that, that really made sure the, the administrative or the running of it was, was pretty much oh, close to faultless, I guess. You know, we, we, we had issues, but I quickly dealt with. Yeah, oh, you're always going to have targets down or injuries yeah, or bits and pieces, know, that's, that's questions. Normal. Yeah, so, you know, from my perspective, I didn't see much or really any of the shooting. I didn't see... <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on a sand hill in the middle of nowhere, but... You were this voice on the radio that just had everything ticking along smoothly, yeah. though, so we, we, yeah, we would not have had that result had it not been for that. Yeah, and, and my job was made easy by the senior ROs, so... Mm. Speaking of which, Andrew, uh, from your point of view as an RO... Yeah, I, look, I, th- I sort of thought it ran pretty smoothly. I mean, we had you know some target malfunctions on one of the stages, but other than that, I think it ran through pretty well. I didn't have any issues at all. You know, we had all the guys that shot, you know, did the right thing. I had we no had, issues. We had good competitors, really, as well, didn't we? Yeah, well, look, we had a really vast mix of guys there shooting, but it just kind of worked. Um, and even you know after the shoot, you know, on the Saturday night when people were sort of socialising, it seemed as you know, you've got guys from pretty different ends of the spectrum as far as what they do in life and... Knowledge and experience. Yeah, and, and everybody seemed to be sort of really enjoying the weekend. So I, from my point of view, it was a really good weekend. I'd have to encourage guys listening, and I know the PRS is about to kick off and everyone's excited about shooting it and that sort of thing, but from a from an understanding of how these things work and also from a competitor basis, definitely get out an RO, be it with, with what they do in Victoria, New South Wales, or ACT with their service rifle stuff, up in NT, uh, or with us in, in SA through Impact Dynamics. Um, definitely get the opportunity to RO or, or be involved with one of these comps because, you know, you guys as, as ROs, not Greg, but Andrew, I mean, Greg's last year, you get to watch 20, 30-plus competitors go through and attack one stage in so many different scenarios. Yeah, I think, you know, like from a perspective as far as learning ideas and methods you'd use yep. to tackle certain stages, there's no better way to do it. You know, if you're if you're shooting it, you might go through with, say, six or you know, five other guys and and that's the exposure you get to that particular stage. But as an RO, you see everybody do it and you go, I like the way he did it. Yep. I don't like the way he did it. I do this, I do that. You know, kind of formulate the the ideal, I guess, as far as how you'd run it. So massive learning curve. Yeah, my sort of thoughts are if you if you want to get good at competing, RO for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and like what you did on on this latest PRI, with each senior RO, you had some junior ROs. So if you don't not really confident to run a stage, you can at least co-run a stage with someone that's senior yep. and help you get online and you know just help build your skills in that area so i think yeah. that's a really good idea and you become a senior to uh, ro for future events yeah like a lot of the, the the junior guys i mean they were essential for running of the shoot as well you know like even if it was you know say spotting on a on a particular target you know because there were several stages where the targets were spread out over a, a fairly large angle yeah you know so their role i guess on actually while it was being run was minimal but it was still you know, important and they're still there watching everything. So you can be mm. an inexperienced guy, but you are going to learn a massive amount doing it. So. Oh, mm. well, and, well and truly. Well and truly. And uh, yeah, obviously, the, the more comps that are coming around, the more opportunity that's going to present. So I would thoroughly encourage guys. And, and look, I, I, I speak of this because I was very fortunate to be able to spend time at, at the PRS in the US and, and RO stages there and, and see other guys that we were travelling with ROing stages either for their first or second time and see... Uh, how much experience they build up in such a short, short time, not only for their ROing ability, which is obviously going to be useful here, but their um, shooting ability, they, they learn a lot from watching. Yeah, mm. Galen, from a competitor's point of view, um, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. You did bloody well. Th- well we, should, we, we did say we were going to allude to that. We were um, fourth out of 30, and the year before you came uh, in the uh, 11, top half, 11th. 11, right, yeah. Yeah, 11th out of 22. And so, um, but you put the hard yards in and you certainly have uh, spent the time behind the gun with with the right people to learn sort of how to make it all work. And um, I think you perhaps surprised a lot of people 
um, in a very favourable way. I think you, you probably outperformed what some people expected of you, but I know you, you probably performed around the level you... Did you surprise yourself? Oh, um, yeah, good question. Um, look, I initially approached the, uh, the PRI this year saying, well, you know, knowing that the competition is, um, you know, was going to be quite a bit stiffer. It was probably yeah, tougher than the year before. Much sure. tougher competition. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of names I'd, I'd heard and, and knew through reputation only, but, you know, good reputation. So I went there, you know, thinking, you know, if I, if I finish in the top 50%, I think it was 32 shooters, wasn't it? 32? 30. 30 in the end up. We had 36 booked in, and over a period of a, a little bit of time in the a lead bit up, of we attrition. had a few, yeah. a few pull out. So if I'd finished 15th, sixth, uh, 14th, 15th, I would have been satisfied that I had a good competition yep. and, and, and could justify the work I'd put in and the efforts of other people to help me along the way. And you came out fourth. Came fourth, yeah. But So I, I initially... Um, uh, I initially then sort of thought hey if I if I come in the top 10 for me that would be like a win so you know on the Saturday night to be coming 6th overall and then to, to climb to 4th um, and not that many points behind um, you know being in, in, in the top 3 I was very very happy with that um, and it justifies the work that I've put in not just pulling the trigger and, and, and putting rounds down range but dry firing the rifle doing target acquisition drills um, verifying my data, re-verifying my data, and then re-verifying it again, uh, making sure that everything was right. I put a lot of effort in in my lounge room, um, <laughs> getting my data correct, running little drills that I knew I'd, I'd, I'd need to employ um, yep. in the comp. So I had a really good time. Um, I met some really nice people, people that I think, um, you know, certainly now I can call my friends from, from interstate. I won't name them. They know who they are. Um, getting theme of the night yeah yeah and I mean I think um, you know shooting the PRS now in Majora shooting the uh, Northern Territory uh, comp in uh, in August as well and a couple more PRIs the mini PRIs for this year as well um, certainly shooting competitions will increase uh, your skill and, and your knowledge um, and so you know from from that perspective if there's anybody you know out there thinking hey I might give this a go but I'm a little bit um you know a little bit uh, reluctant um if anybody has any questions maybe some new shooters out there that have any questions uh they want to pose to me i'm, I'm more than happy to hear from from people and and maybe just get in, in touch through impact dynamics sure uh rusty you can sort of pass on details or whatever you got yeah, to do or through, through the podcast correct yep. or through the podcast yeah um but from you know on behalf of all the shooters i think i can say that it was enjoyable it was well run um, it, it seemed smooth and faultless from our perspective at least um, and thank you to the ROs um, obviously Rusty um, you know, and your team uh, you know, the people that, that, that did the cooking and, and the, the preparation that went on for months ahead of time uh, the drone operators, the camera operators, <laughs> you know, the guys we doing the, yeah, the guys doing all the uh, um, the interviews and whatnot along the way uh, and also the property owner so um, yeah, thank you for that yeah, absolutely, and um, and and so yeah, I guess a good good way to leave it going. Anyone who's thinking about shooting PRS or the NT uh, shoot or any other future comps is, um, you're not going to learn so much by watching. Either get involved in an arrow or shoot it, and you'll learn far far more than as a spectator. Cool. Guys, I think that's well and truly wrapped up the night. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And uh, Galen, thank you for joining us. I'm sure not the only time you will. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. And uh, guys, uh, uh, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. And uh, we'll be back in uh, another couple of weeks and uh, talking about something else to do with shooting. Sure, it'll be exciting. Definitely. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.